This is episode 154 of the Landscape Photography Show, and before we get into today's episode, I just want to thank the sponsor and tell you about it a little bit. That's Nature Photographers Network. Right now, you can go to naturephotographers.network and get 10% off just by listening to the podcast. You can use the code LPS10 to sign up for a yearly membership, plus that 10% off of just $49. The 10% off takes it down to about $44, and with that, what you get is exclusive content to and from some of your favorite photographers all over the planet. You're going to get instant critiques and feedback on all your photos, plus much, much more. Again, you can go to naturephotographers.network, use the code LPS10 to sign up for 10% off. In this episode, we're talking with Darren White. Now, Darren joined us from Colorado, and Darren's somebody that I've been following for quite some time in landscape photography. I reached out to him years and years ago when I first started podcasting, and we couldn't connect then, but I'm glad we were able to connect now because Darren has just a really unique view on landscape photography and what made him who he is today, I think you're going to benefit a lot. This is part one of our discussion. Next week, you'll get to part two. But in this part, we talk about how to actually see something and have it so it's second nature to you, slowing down the differences and when you first start versus how well you're able to see those things once you get going. Hey, what's up, guys? We're here with Darren White. Darren joining us from Colorado today, where it was a balmy 70 degrees yesterday, but a cool 30 degrees today. Uh, Darren, we were talking just before we jumped on that that's not very uncommon for, for Denver area. And, and you know, I experienced that with crazy weather shifts over here in Tennessee. So uh, kindred spirits weather-wise. But thank you for joining the podcast and coming on and talking with us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Why don't we get started in just exploring how you got to where you are today? What got you started in photography and what led you down your path? Oh, okay. So uh, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, my, my mother loved magazine subscriptions. And as a child, when I was about 11 or 12, she got a free camera in as a gift for one of the magazine subscriptions that she subscribed to. Um, she gave it to me. It was a small Vivitar 35 millimeter. Um, I started taking pictures of my friends skateboarding and learning about ISO and how, if I used a roll of 100 ISO, the pictures had to be taken on a sunny day. And if they weren't, because it was cloudy a lot of the times where I lived in in Oregon, um, the the images would come out blurry. And so learning about ISO with that camera was one of the very first things uh, photographically that I ever did. And then I I found a place that sold sixteen hundred speed film, and then I realized that I could I could shoot in any weather, but the the images weren't as high quality. But anyway, that's. That's how I got started into photography. I lived at the Oregon coast, so I was able to go out to the beach, photograph the sunrises, the sunsets, um, when my mom would take me. And then when I got my license, it was kind of free range. And I did, you know, just hobbyist photography for 
many years and I took high, I took uh, photography for one year in junior high and one year in high school. I worked on the yearbook, the newspaper, all that kind of stuff. Um, went to work at a one hour photo lab in my local town. I ended up working at the local newspaper, um, shooting sports um, at the high school. That was after I graduated, uh, working in their dark room, doing all their printing. I did that for a couple of years. And then I moved to Portland, Oregon, and took some time off from photography. That was around the time when digital was starting to take off. I didn't have a computer. Um, I wasn't really sure if it was going to work or not, not, digital photography. And so I took some time off, uh, kind of just did my own thing, met my wife, and then... 2006, um, I got my first digital camera, and even though I was still working a day job at the time, I started taking pictures again, started uh, editing them, and I realized that th this was going to be something. What did you? What made you think that? Like there had to be a click because you were using film versus digital. What about digital? Was it? Well, it wasn't necessarily film versus digital because up until about a year ago, I still shot film. So it was, I think for me personally, it's the, it's the capturing of the moment because literally once that moment has passed, you'll never get it back. Um, my, my training partner that I used to do the night photography workshops with, he, he always called it photographer's remorse and and I think there's a lot of validity to that, where if you're driving down the road and you see this beautiful scene and you just say, oh, I'll take a picture of it when I'm on my way back, the scene's not going to look like that on the way back. The light will have changed. Um, you will ne probably never find the same angle again. If you are sitting in your car on the road, as opposed to getting out of your car and walking over to said subject, it's not going to look the same. So one of the things that that just fascinates me is that we have these natural beautiful moments in time whether it's your friends your family a beautiful scene the ocean birds whatever it is and we need to capture those at the time that they're happening and for me it's it's recording those moments um like like you and i were talking about just a little bit ago is that you know with the eagle creek fire there's there's places now that you can't photograph like they were previously. And so I feel thankful that I was able to capture those images in the lush green foliage that there was before the fire, because now those places are gone and people today can't capture those images. It's funny you use the word remorse. I, I feel like that's a little bit nicer word than regret because regret has this like negative connotation with it. But knowing what you're talking about, I feel a lot more like regret when I let those paths moments pass. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. And, you know, I think I don't know a photographer or a person that has a camera, whether it be a big expensive camera or your, or your phone that hasn't said, Oh, I'll just take a picture on the way back or I'll get it later this afternoon or something. But, you know, angles of the sun, the weather. I mean, there's just so many different variables that can change a scene. And, you know, maybe you see a beautiful scene and you say that, 
And then maybe it is better on the way back, but it's not going to be the same as it was when you originally saw it. So for me, it's really capturing moments um, and, and savoring those. As an example, my daughter just turned 16 years old and I was looking through all the images that I have of her for the last 16 years. And I realized that I take a lot of pictures. Like I was trying to make a reel for, for Facebook or Instagram. And I was trying to put so many images together, but it was too long. Even if I spaced them only at like a half a second. And I'm like, how am I going to pick, you know, a hundred images out of the tens of thousands of images that I have of my daughter? And my wife just looked at me and she goes, be thankful because a lot of parents don't do that or didn't do that when their kids were younger, you know, 16 years ago. Um, but yeah, I literally have pictures of her, you know, almost every day since the day she was born. And yeah, it's a lot of hard drive space. Sure. I, I, it's funny you mentioned that. I was actually, my daughter's two and a half. And I was thinking about the exact same thing last night because it was like, now I'm lucky because my wife always has like her phone, like a holster or something, and she'll flip it out and take like 10 pictures right away. Um, But she was just standing on the fence, beautiful, like sunset light, golden. And she was just looking behind and like smiling back at us. And it's funny when I feel like when you are a photographer, you start to understand a little bit more deeply that those moments don't come back because you talking about remorse or regret, you know, I've never said to myself, well, I wish I hadn't taken that picture. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. My unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I guess, but my wife is not a photographer, uh, no interest in it. So like she might take, I don't know, maybe some pictures during like super special events or things like that. But to just randomly, t- like I see things differently than she does. So when I'm out with my daughter hiking or, or in a place where she's with her friends, I can see like these super cool candid moments and and get pictures uh-huh. where, where my wife, she just, she wouldn't even think of something like that. And so I see things differently. So I'm always trying, like in my brain, I'm always looking at whatever it is in, in the thought that I'm going to take a picture of it, you know? So when I'm out hiking or I'm just even just, just walking around town with my daughter or something, I'm always thinking like, where's a good picture where, how can I take a picture, you know? And most of the pictures that I've taken, were were when she was younger and they were with a real camera, not a, not a phone. But over the years, um, I, I've been more selective because by the time my daughter was about uh, seven or eight, she was completely over having her picture taken. And, <laughs> and so I think I ruined that for her, um, unfortunately, but I still have all the memories and I'm thankful for that. That's awesome. Is she into photography? No, <laughs> she, she, she kind of had a little stint for a while. Um, she had a, I gave her a small camera and she went, um, to Yellowstone with me or yeah, yellow or no, the Tetons. She went to the Tetons with me 
um, with our whole family while I was doing a workshop up there and they would go hiking during the day and things like that. And so she took a small camera and she took some pictures of some of the, the bison and, and some things like that in the lakes, but not nothing that she's, she's not gonna, I don't, I don't think at this point she's gonna take up photography. What do you think she's going to take up? Like, what is she into? She's really smart with like mathematics and science and she likes bioengineering. Um, so I really, I don't know yet. Like there's not a definitive course that she's outlined so far. Um, she's thinking about going to a tech school for part of her last two years of high school. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But I don't see it being a photography. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good or a bad thing? You know, it's probably a good thing because yeah. if she if she said, "Hey dad, I want to do photography." And and she's been with me on I mean, she started going with me on photo trips when she was a baby cuz when she was born, I took I took um four months off work when I was working and stayed home with her. And so I would just take her with me because she was so small. And I have pictures of her like at Trillium Lake when she was just a little over a year or two old, just sitting there in a lawn chair at sunset or sunrise um, watching while me and my friends were taking pictures. So she's been around photography her entire life, but I think it's better that she doesn't pick up photography because I don't think that I would be that great of a, I think I would give her to somebody else to, to be a mentor. Let's put it that way. Mm. Cause I would want her to do things the way that I do them because I've been doing it for so long that I, I have these tried and tested and true ways of doing things. And over the years, it takes a lot of patience to learn that kind of stuff. In, in all honesty, I don't think kids these days have the, attention span or the patience to, to do that. Um, that being said, she's very, she's very self-motivated in the fact that if she wants to learn something, she will like one day she picked up a set of crochet needles and she just started crocheting and she's made blankets, hats, shirts. She's making a steering wheel cover for her car. Just like, I wouldn't know how to crochet and she taught, she's taught herself how to play the guitar. So, I mean, she, she has the, the learning ability for sure, but I just don't think I would be a good photographer teacher for my own daughter. <laughs> Is that the way she just picks things up? Is that a reflection of your personality or is it something just all her own? Um, I can't say it's necessarily my personality. I mean, I am a, I'm a self-starter when I want to do something, I put my mind to it and I do it. Um, but it definitely is a reflection of her, um, and how, how she can put her mind to it and do it as well. But I don't necessarily think that she got it from me because the things that she likes to do are totally different than the things that I like to do. Gotcha. She's really musically inclined. She So one of the things I can say that is that she got, I, I've always listened to a lot of diverse types of music. So all kinds of genres. 
And so from a young age, she's been listening to, to tons of music as well. And so she loves all kinds of music from different generations. And like I said, she learned, she taught herself how to play the guitar and she's in the process of teaching herself how to play the keyboard right now. But, um, you know, though I've, I've tried to play the guitar and it, my brain and fingers just don't work together like that. <laughs> hey guys, real quick. I just want to tell you about nature photographers network through nature photographers network. You can get access to your favorite photographers, exclusive articles and content plus feedback on your photos and how to get better as a photographer. It's honestly the best community out there for landscape photographers all over the globe. Right now, you can sign up with a 10% discount code just for listening to the podcast. Go to naturephotographers.network and use the code LPS10 during checkout to get 10% off of that yearly membership and start getting better results out of your photography right now. Plus, connect with several other photographers all over the globe. Let's get back to my talk with Darren. <laughs> well, being musically diverse... Let me ask you this. If you were able, let's say, um, oh, let me think here. If you were able to put like a rock band to your photography, who, who would that be? Oh boy. That's like saying, what's, what's your favorite song? Um, well, yeah, I mean, true. So if I had to put like a style to my photography, like, so it probably wouldn't be country. Um, no, 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 no. My photography style is fairly fast and furious, but that's because of the amount of experience that I have in it. So it would probably be something, probably not quite Metallica, but maybe just a little bit less energetic than Metallica. But Metallica is definitely one of my favorite bands. And okay. so, so like if I'm going out shooting, you know, I put on different music in route to the location I'm going because I truly feel that that helps me to get into a good headspace, a good mood, um, gives me some positive vibes so that when I get there, I'm thinking more clearly. I'm in a better mood and I can, I can process scenes that I'm seeing better. If I'm having a bad day and I try to go out to shoot, generally I'll walk around and be like, yeah, this isn't working. I'm going home. So, but, but yeah, my, my photographic vibe and, and energy is probably, you know, Scorpions, Metallica, um, you know, maybe like Bon Jovi type stuff, like rock, a little bit heavy rock, but not too much. Okay. Um, a lot of the people that I shoot with, they, they've mentioned to me that, wow, I just got my camera out of my bag and you're already taking pictures, you know? And it's, like, <laughs> it's like, well, you know, there's the scene. I know what I have to do to, to shoot it. So I just do it. You know, I don't, it, a lot of it is on, you know, I'm on autopilot and uh, when I'm out shooting with some friends or by myself, it's just, everything's kind of on autopilot. I mean, I've, I've learned the techniques. I can walk up to a scene. I can say, okay, do I need to focus stack this? Is this going to be a single image shot? How does the light look? Is, do I need to blend images? Do I need, 
to just expose to the right? What do I need to do? What lens should I use? You know, that all comes from doing this on a daily basis. So it's not like I pick up my camera today and I go shoot and then six months later, I think, well, I'll go take some pictures and do it again. You know, I'm, I'm doing this every day so that it keeps me in the rhythm of it. Um, so, yeah, I do. I do shoot faster than than most people. And that's been brought to my attention several times. Do you think that you have to have that rhythm for yourself to continue to maintain the level of photos that you're taking? I absolutely like photography is my life. And uh-huh. so when I get to a scene and I see whatever it is, I'm excited. And it's like, cool, I get to shoot this, you know, so I want to shoot it. I don't need to sit back and be like, oh, what lens should I use or <laughs> or what should my exposure be? Or do I need to use F63 or should I use F16? You know, um, photography makes me excited. And I'm when I can go out and be in nature and take pictures, that makes me excited. So, so yes, I feel like that energy is is portrayed through my actions when I'm in a scene. But at the same time, there's there's two caveats to that. One is when I'm shooting film and the other is when I'm teaching workshops because both of those allow me to slow down and think from other people's perspective. So when I'm doing the workshops and somebody asks me a question, I can kind of take a step back and be like, okay, how can I answer this in the, in the best possible way so that they're going to understand it? Because to me, it's automatic, but I need to explain the, the how and the why to them. And then when I'm shooting film, you know, it's not like shooting digital. Like yesterday I went out and I shot some birds. I got home and I had 569 images that I shot. And I was like, I was only gone for like a half an hour, you know, like (laughs) and shooting film. Like, and like I said, I, I shot film up until about a year or so ago and shooting film, you really slow down because you've got, you know, 12, 12 shots on a, on a roll of 120 film. And it costs a lot of money to, to see that picture. It doesn't cost hardly anything to see the digital image. It's right there on your camera, you know, but you need to make sure that when you're when you're taking a picture with film that you really go through the thought process and make sure that your focus is right, your your composition's right, your um, you know your shutter speed's right, and just you have to make sure that everything is is dialed in. and And I, I like that, I really do, because it's good for me to to slow down like that. So that's one of the reasons that I enjoy teaching the workshops and why I have enjoyed shooting film for so many years. Cause when I'm out with digital, it's just, it's just wham, bam, 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 bam. You know, I'm out, I'm, it's just firing away. (laughs) What ultimately made you stop film? So I, the, the actual thing that made me stop shooting film was the time it and how time consuming it was. So I used to work in a one hour photo lab and it was nice because people could bring their film in or I'd bring my film in and um, I could process it, run it through the developer, get the negatives and I could have a set of prints in about an hour. Um, but those those types of machines have gone away. 
there's not a lot of optical enlargers anymore. They still have the processing machines, but not the uh, not the printing machines. So I found a place up in Boulder that offered darkroom space for $10 an hour. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's pretty cheap. So I bought a, I, I had bought a medium format camera and I had still had my Nikon F4 camera and I was shooting film and I was going up to Boulder renting the darkroom space and I was developing and printing film up there, you know, Boulder's like 45 minutes away from me. Um, but the amount of money that I was spending on the film, the, the chemicals, the time to go up there, um, and for what I was getting out of it was, was pretty minimal. I was really, I was really just doing it to do it, not because I had a specific goal in mind. And so for me, it was, it was the amount of time that it was potentially taking away from other stuff that I could be photographing, you know, how difficult of a decision was that if, if any, it was a very hard decision. Um, so my Nikon F4S camera that I bought when I was in, I believe it was my senior year in high school, I was working a job making $4 an hour and I had to save up $2,000 to buy that camera. Uh, mm. just the camera, not, not, not any lenses that came with it. Yeah. And so I had that camera from 1992 up until 2020. So almost 40 years, no, almost 30 years. And so that was hard for me to, you know, I thought, well, I'll just keep it and just, you know, keep it as a memento. But I thought, you know, I have to be honest with myself. I'm probably never going to use it again. And if there's a high school student out there that's starting out in photography that can use it, and get some because it was in perfect shape. So I figured I might as well let somebody else have it. Um, it's going to get some use out of it because it's not going to do me any good sitting here. And then I I had bought a medium format camera and I bought a Mamiya C330F and I loved it. But again, it's it's just the amount of time that it takes to go from capture to print. Um, it's hard to do once you're, once you're so used to shooting digital. Now coming from somebody who started with film, I learned film in high school, went over to digital. Um, and I thought, I thought the switch was pretty easy, you know, for you comparing and contrast, just hearing what you're saying, going from the slow practice of film versus the fast practice of digital, like 569 photos of a bird uh, or several birds. That's a pretty intense leap. Has it, has it matched your style of photography with that kind of run and gun approach that you take? Well, so even my Nikon F4S, it shot, it shot almost 10 frames a second on high speed you know, and that was film. So, you know, literally I could blow through a roll of 24 exposure film in three seconds. Um, but I had no idea what I was getting. Uh, so 
because I'm not a bird photographer and because I'm not a, I'm, I don't call myself a wildlife photographer. I mean, if there's wildlife, like when I'm hiking up in Rocky Mountain National Park, you know, I'll take a picture of some elk or something, but specifically I'm landscape and astro, but it's nice to have the ability now to just blow through several hundred images because if a bird is sitting in a tree or there's an, like a, there was an eagle I photographed yesterday and it was just flying by, you know, I was able to just fire off 15, 20 images all at once and not even think about it. So I, I think that there's a lot of benefits to the faster approach, maybe not the faster approach, but the ability to see the images instantly because people are learning at a faster rate. You know, you can, you can take a picture, say, oh, it's too dark. Okay, I'll open up my f-stop or I'll allow a little bit more light in by increasing the shutter speed. Bam, now I have a good image. <coughs> Excuse me. And so people are able to learn photography at a much faster rate than they were, you know, 20-some years ago where we had to take a roll of film take it in, get it developed. Sometimes we made notes on the exposures that the, uh, that the image was shot at so that we could base that off of the conditions that we have the next time that we go out and hopefully get similar results or improve on the results. Um, you know, a lot of the cameras, they had automatic, they had auto light meters in them and things like that. But I've also shot with many cameras that didn't have light meters in them. And so I had to have a separate light meter and hold it up and get a light reading. And when I was shooting with a, I had a graphics four by five camera for a while. And I actually used my Nikon F4S as the light meter. So I would hold it up to the scene, get a reading, and then I would set that on the graphics camera. So it's, it was, it was really time consuming, but it was good. Hey, I hope that was a really insightful discussion. Remember, this is part one. Next week, we're going to have part two. That's going to be episode 155. So definitely check that out and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on. Please leave a review for the podcast too, because it really helps get the word out to a lot of other photographers who are interested in landscape photography and how they can improve their own photos too. So if you've gotten any benefit and joy out of this podcast, definitely leave a review so that other people can find that joy as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you in the next episode.